Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Pastathon Day. It is. That's right. I mean, the Pastathon is going on, John, for some time. But today, of course, focuses on uh, really going big, talking about the Pastathon. You can donate at Pastathon.com. It is the 12th annual Chef Bruno's Charity Caterina's Club provides more than 25,000 meals every week to kids in need in Southern California and your generosity, which makes it happen. Uh, as you just heard us talking before the news, Wendy's, you go there and get yourself a Frosty and they'll donate a dollar for every Frosty sold at any uh, size, any flavor. My chocolate Frosty was really good. Okay. They were very good. I've had them many times, but I'm you glad get, you gave it a good review. You didn't get one today. No. And I don't think Deborah Mark did. I did not. Robin came in. That's who I was talking to, John, before the uh, the top of the hour. Oh, you I don't think these are vegan. I said, that's okay. I don't Yeah, I, don't I think there it. might be you some dairy in You insisted on a vegan Frosty? I didn't insist on oh, anything. She just wanted to make sure I didn't feel left out, I suppose. Wow. All right. So yeah. I'm the only one who had the, had the Frosty. Mm. No. Eric. Eric. Eric ate a peppermint yeah. one. Oh, Ray you got a Frosty? I, Ray and I both had a peppermint Ray one. Ray had a... Oh, peppermint ones. Yeah, they were delicious. His usual suspicious I, voice. No, I, I didn't think you were. You, you, I didn't think you were a peppermint guy. Well, what's wrong, what's wrong with peppermint? peppermint? Uh, <laughs> that's what they gave him. I have to me. revise my opinion. It's not masculine, Eric. That's where he's going with this. I know it's weird, huh? No, Just I didn't say John's anything logic. about Eric's masculinity. I know, but you know, I know I think, he's he's very manly. You're implying something weird about someone who. Well, weird doesn't mean frosty. he's not masculine. It could be just weird. Stop it at a Smart and Final store in California, Arizona, Nevada, and donate a checkout through Sunday, December 4th. Well, we mentioned this story last week, and we do have a guest from the Harbor Trucking Association. His name is Matt Schrapp. He's the CEO. This is the move by the California Air Resources Board to phase out diesel-powered trucks in California. Is that possible? At what cost? All these questions we have, we're going to talk about. Let's get Matt on. How are you, Matt? Good afternoon, gentlemen, ladies. How, how is everyone today? 
We're great. We are do- doing really good. Um, I-, I would get, is every truck on the road that we see that delivers, you know, I mean, I'm talking about big trucks. Are they all run on diesel? For the most part, you have some natural gas-powered vehicles out there, some propane vehicles, a a very small handful of zero-emission battery electric trucks. But for the most part, diesel is the lifeblood of the heavy-duty trucking industry. And why why diesel? Explain to our listeners why diesel seems to work best with these heavy-duty trucks. It's the efficiency. It has to do with that overall available torque from that you know, compression, ignition, that it's just, it goes a long way. The diesel engines themselves can last, you know, well over a million miles before they need some type of rebuild. Uh, you know, we're going all the way back to Otto Von Diesel back in the late 1800s when he came up with this formulation. And really, it's it's been the workhorse of the industry ever since. Okay, so if you're forced to switch to electric, um it, are, are the trucks going to run properly and run as far and, and run as for as long a period of time? I'll tell you, the jury's out right now. Number one, you don't have the same amount of range that you would typically get out of a, out of a diesel-fueled vehicle. Um, that has to do with total overall battery capacity, the amount of batteries that you need, how much space that's going to take up, right? So, you know, the old joke back in, you know, just I would say five, six years ago was you either haul batteries or you haul freight. And so from a performance standpoint, that being the the, the torque and the available horsepower is there, but you're not going to get very far compared to the diesel platform because, the battery capacity available in each of these trucks depends on how much the battery, you know, how much the batteries can weigh, depending upon total payload of the vehicle. So while the performance of it might work, we don't have the same type of range that's available. And there's some questions about, you know, cold weather operation, extreme heat, et cetera, okay. and how I, that impacts the Now, I read an article on that, uh, that, that electric batteries don't work real well in cold weather. Well, we're going to find out, <laughs> to well, say the least. Uh, uh, most of this seems to be we're going to find out. They mm-hmm. just made this announcement that they're going to phase out uh, uh, diesel-powered cars, what, by 2042 at the latest? And then there's these uh, a dozen different issues that I, cause I read obsessively about this because I think this is probably the nuttiest policy of them all. And everything is we're going to find out. We're going to see. We don't know. And one of the things for sure, according to what I've read, is that uh, they don't think this is going to fly in cold weather climates. I wouldn't doubt it. And, you know, one thing that's been a challenge about this, especially, you know, you mentioned kind of a nutty idea, is that when we look at especially seed-based fuels, whether it's from grapeseed, uh, what have you, that is a renewable source, so to speak, that there is no option to use anything but zero emissions, especially in our industry, which is drayage, you know, harbor drayage, movement of containers or brake bulk to and from marine terminals um, on the coast and, and, and inland at places like Stockton and Sacramento, that the only option available is zero emissions, which right now is dominated by battery electric. And the state of California is going one step further. They're not just banning diesel passenger cars. They're trying to ban the sale of internal combustion vehicles period, whether it's on 
gasoline, natural gas, propane, diesel, anything that has that combustion process that isn't a zero emission drivetrain will, in fact, be banned for sale in California starting over the next, I believe, within, you know, the, the, the rules start essentially here for heavy duty next year, limiting dealers from selling a certain percentage of anything but zero emissions vehicles moving out to that 2020-42 date. Uh, really for all vehicles in California, passenger cars included. Are they doing this in any other state? Other states would like to try. I know during the Advanced Clean Fleets rule hearing back in October, you had uh, the state of New York, the state of Wisconsin, saying that they're looking at this same type of Advanced Clean Fleets rule. But then you have several other states, including Washington, Oregon, Maine, I believe Vermont, New Hampshire, many west eastern seaboard states who are looking at creating a same type of phase in for sale of internal combustion engine or rather of zero emission engine compared to your total overall sales of internal combustion engine so the short answer is yes um you know they don't buy unicorn milk down in texas as the old saying goes but you can pretty much get a good idea of what states are looking at doing the same type of the same type of regulatory policy. Whether or not they have the regulatory muscle remains to be seen. I'm sure that there will be lawsuits flying out of the, out of the rafters. But, you know, we're kind of dead set focused here in California because, for better or worse, it's the point of the spear, the bleeding edge right. for this progressive okay. policy. Uh, and what about, what about charging stations and the electrical grid? It, it seems like this would use an extraordinary amount of power. Exactly. And there is zero commercial public-facing charging infrastructure. Well, I take that back. I believe there's two charging pedestals that came online down in the port of Long Beach, which is supposed to support, you know, the 20-some-odd thousand vehicles that are registered to do business just within the ports of L.A. and Long Beach. Wait, We've wait, got two? two so far. Wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like two chargers? Two chargers. That, that's what's online right now. Two chargers. Publicly accessible. <laughs> that's correct. Okay. You got some other depot behind the fence charging that's being deployed, but as the question so, always begs to be asked, you know, where does the energy come from? Can the grid support it? And that just depends on really what part of California well, you're in. Okay. Well, you know, we came right up to the edge of our energy supply in September. And this has happened several summers in a row. Early September, right? We had almost no extra energy available. The, it, you 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 fast forward a few years. Where's the energy going to come from for all these trucks plugging in for charging? The question remains to be seen. I mean, we hear of solar projects that are coming online, more wind projects. Obviously, we're kind of in a hydroelectric challenge right now. You still have 30% thereabouts of the grid being being powered by non-renewable natural gas. Uh, one thing that happened in that recent power crunch that we're in in September is that there has been a lot of battery storage brought online by the utilities, so they were able to stave off some of those blackouts. But trust me, I had I had more than more than one member asking me how they can justify mandating us to use zero emission battery electric trucks, especially in the interim, when they're telling everybody else not to plug in their cars between four and nine p.m. <laughs> when when is the time when most most fleets, especially, are doing a split shift between the the day and night side gates here in LA, Long Beach, and to a lesser extent in Oakland, 
that's exactly when you'd need to be plugging in those trucks to get the energy to, to perform on that second shift. So, now, now, a lot of these trucks are, are drive all over the country, right? So, so, so we how, have a mixed bag. We, we do have local operations that are within, you know, 150, 200 miles. But a lot of times you have guys going into the valley from Southern California or even from Oakland, for that matter, headed into the valley. Maybe they're headed out to Vegas, Phoenix, points beyond. So you, you do have a mixed bag of fleet operations that are doing drayage work, especially. And, of course, you have trucks coming from all over the country. In fact, in the in the heavy, heavy side, you have the majority of vehicles that are doing business in California are actually from out of state. So you have that challenge in front of you. Obviously, drayage being a more ideally local platform. What is drayage? What does drayage mean? Locally, but that means basically the movement of containers. You know, and so it goes back to the old drayage, the drayman, and you can think really like horse and cart. Uh, type of type of type of setup cartage is also another term for it drayage evolved from that so that's the movement of containers to and from maritime ports or intermodal rail yards so how how does how do all these new regulations affect all these out-of-state trucks when the rest of the country has not yet imposed this these sort of restrictions you have a couple different scenarios. The, the advanced clean fleets rule is broken down into different segments, one being public fleets, one being private, what they call high-priority fleets, and then you have the drayage segment. So the drayage segment, if you want to enter in a new vehicle into drayage service, as of one 13 months from now, it has to be zero emissions, regardless of where it's based out of or coming from. And then after 2024, you have reporting requirements that start in 2025 for drayage trucks that will get you up to 800,000 miles total usage of the vehicle. So you can have vehicles that are still internal combustion or diesel, natural gas, but they have a cap on the top of them that once they hit that 800,000 miles or up to 18 years old, you are basically removed from the drayage truck registry and have no ability to replace that vehicle with anything else but zero emissions. Does this work practically? I'm sorry. Is, I, 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 is this going to work that? practically? In local, if you're not going very far and you can count on behind the fence depot charging, especially, and if you're only doing 100 miles, 150 miles per day here locally, there is a practical application that will work. It's not so much the truck and the performance of the vehicle itself as we were alluding to earlier, it's really about where you're going to charge it. And if the grid and the local transformers and switching stations can absorb that much energy, I've heard estimates ranging in additional needed capacity in the gigawatts. Okay. We got to go. I'm sorry to cut you off, but we were running behind. Thank you for coming on with us, Matt. Hey, anytime you guys. And thanks to all your listeners out there. And if you got it, a truck brought it. Thank you. All right, Matt Strapp, CEO, Harbor Trucking Association. John and Ken, KFI AM640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. I was just talking to a rep with the uh, trucking industry about California's plan to get rid of diesel-powered trucks in the state. And we're talking the first change will come in 2024 for some of the trucks. It's not that far away. Now, coincidentally, the Wall Street Journal just ran a story today. Why America doesn't have enough EV charging stations and one of the big points to come out of the story is that gas stations are fighting with utility companies uh, back and forth over who will own 
and operate the EV chargers. In case you were curious, because California is always an outlier, 1% of U.S. drivers own EVs. <laughs> now, there is a wait list. There are people buying them. This well, there's a wait list because manufacturing is very slow. Right. A wait list doesn't mean it's wildly popular. It just means whatever the market there is is not being met by the manufacturers, and that's because of all the supply chain issues that we've got. Yeah, I, well, I do think that gas prices did have an impact on people wanting to switch over. In fact, I think the new number I read, 17.5% of car sales in California this year are EVs. Now, again, California's an outlier. That's not going on in all the other states, but we've obviously had the worst gas price problem of all the states, so... There are some people that have decided they're going to try it. But as you pointed out, and it's true, some people try it and give up. After a few months, they just decide that this isn't working for well, me. And, of course, the charging thing is a big reason. Because even if you get a charger, you often can't do it very fast. Well, that's what I mean. There's, there's social pressure in California to conform. And I'm sure that those EV sales are heavily tilted to the wealthy. And we have more wealthy people here than anywhere else in the country. That's probably true. Right? All right. But... When you actually do this, good luck finding a charging station that even exists, let alone one that works or one that charges quickly. They're very rare. There are 145,000 places to gas up your car. So far, the U.S. has 11,600 points where any EV can charge quickly. And I say that because Tesla has its own network that you cannot use unless you're driving a Tesla. So take Tesla out of it because they're the most expensive. And, and, and in the real world. And they real... have the fast chargers, which people really like. Most of the chargers out there for everybody else buying an EV that isn't a Tesla is going to take a while to charge your car. That's why people do it at home mostly. Just plug it in at night. And one of the issues is it costs a lot of money to buy these and have them installed. And how are you going to make the money back? That's we, what they're we... calling this in the article, chicken or the egg. Some people are waiting for more EVs to be on the market. People who might consider an EV are waiting for more charging stations to get there. You see how this becomes it's like a circular uh, right, mess? Right, because because the, normally you'd expect gas stations, convenience stores, truck stops to, be, to purchase these and have them installed. But they say, well, wait, how do I make money here? Because... People aren't buying EVs in great numbers. Again, outside of California and, and wealthy people, 99% of the country doesn't have one of these. So I didn't know originally gas was sold on the shelf in hardware and grocery stores. Later, from above-ground tanks from which a worker might fill a bucket to pour into a car's right. tank with a funnel. It took a while for gas stations to become commonplace in the nation. So... In 1920, the U.S. had 15,000 gas stations. By 1930, it had jumped to 100,000 gas stations, but there were 23 million cars on the road by 1930. So, Right. But, but back then, cars were a huge improvement over a horse or a walking. Buggy, right. Here, right. an electric vehicle is not that much of an improvement over a gas-powered vehicle. There's no motivation to say, oh, i got to have an electric vehicle. That's it true. It's not as big a technological change as having right, a car right. versus a horse. A horse, yeah. <laughs> so there <laughs> that is that a, is true. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to drive a gas-powered car for the rest of my life because I, I know they're never going to get this. They're never going to get this together, and they don't have the electric generation facilities. 
Right. They don't have. Oh, and by the way, the electricity, much of it comes from fossil fuels anyway. And, oh, and, and listen and, to this. A, a study released in August found that one out of every five EV owners don't ultimately charge when they try to do so. Another study in the Bay Area tested 657 public EV fast chargers and a quarter of them didn't work. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. another problem. Yeah, you don't no, find very often that a pump is out at a gas station, but no. it's more common in the EV charging world. They're, they're, the, the ones that are out there now, a lot of them are cheap junk. And there's an 800 number, and you, I, I read a story on this. People call the 800 number, and they go, oh, yeah, it doesn't work. That's all you get. So you're, you're stranded, especially if you're in a rural area. You're stranded on the side of the road. You're running out of juice. You look on the map, the next charger might be 40 miles away, and this thing doesn't work, and they don't know why. And what are they going to, how are they going to bring you, how are they going to save you, right? Because if you run out of gas, you can get AAA to come and bring you uh, a container of gasoline to get you to go 20 miles. Right. How are they going to bring you a, a, they can't bring you a, a container of, a, of, a, of, of electrons. I mean, <laughs> All right, we got more coming up. John and Ken, KFI AM640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. Big Pastathon day today. Go to Pastathon.com. Go buy a Frosty at Wendy's. Yep, they're donating a dollar for every Frosty they sell. Yeah, it's today, today only. So you got to do it today on that part, but you can obviously give to the Pastathon all during the, all during the week. And any size, any flavor, and try their new peppermint Frosty. Eric and Ray are wave, wave, raving about it. Um, shop at any smart and final store in California, Arizona, Nevada. Donate a checkout through December 4th. Tonight, Tim Conway broadcasting live at the Anaheim White House, Bruno Serrato's restaurant from 6 to 10. You can go there and watch uh, Tim and his people and drop off pasta sauce and mm. pasta and donate money. And uh, we're going to have Bruno on at 5 o'clock. All right. 100% of your donation goes to Katarina's Club to help feed those hungry kids. Today in Sacramento, it was supposed to be the oil companies on the line to talk about California's high gas prices. This is the dog and pony show that Gavin Newsom called for a couple of months ago, a special session. The California Energy Commission was in charge of this meeting. They were supposed to hear from oil company executives. And guess what happened? They didn't show. Chevron, Marathon. PBF Energy, Philip 66, and Valero all said, we're not coming. Speaking publicly about their operations, maintenance, and inventory levels would force them to divulge trade secrets. But PBF Energy added that this has been politicized by this governor, including misleading information he released. Yeah, Newsom just makes stuff up. And this is part of his uh, new, improved Gavin Newsom persona. Remember... California is in a horrific state. So he is rebranding himself as a fighter. I'm fighting Ron DeSantis. I'm fighting the state of Texas. I'm fighting conservatives. I'm fighting the oil companies. So he, I'm going on offense. So this is what this is. It's changing the subject. Not that gas prices have been over 6 bucks a gallon all year, in large part because of excessive taxation, $1.50 worth of taxes. It's the oil companies are screwing us over. Just change the subject. Just go on offense. Bounce the ball back. That's his entire uh, public relations strategy and his entire policy strategy. Well, gas prices have actually been dropping now for weeks. And the average price in California, not SoCal, has dropped to just below $5 a gallon. 
for the first time in many months. Yeah, but it's still a buck more than anywhere else. And it's created by us. The state, the California Air Resources Board, the legislature, they have been after the oil companies, whether it's because of carbon, whether it's because of the environmental damage. They have been pushing the oil companies to decrease supply and increase prices. They are responsible for this. You don't see this in other states. And, of course, that dopey special blend is also added into the mix here. You want a shock? Texas, regular gas, going for $2.87. They don't care about the environment in Texas. We're celebrating here because we're at $4.99. Over $2 higher than in Texas. Californians are paying about $2.60 per gallon more than the national average. Yeah. So that's on Newsom because 60% of that is Newsom's taxes, period. So, of course, they're going to hold fake hearings to go after the oil companies for the excessive prices. Nobody, no state is anywhere near the cumulative taxes we have. So Newsom cites the profits of the oil companies claiming that PBF Energy... Their profit jumped $59.1 million last year to a billion this year, an increase of 1,700%. But, of course, we've mentioned many times before, the number of refineries has decreased dramatically in the state because of California's energy policies. That is going to restrict the supply, and because California has that special blend nonsense, it's not summer anymore, but it was most of this year, summer, spring, uh, that results in them not being able to get supplies from other states. So it restricts the supply on purpose. The state did this with its policies. When you have a lower supply, you're going to have higher prices. That doesn't mean it costs them more to make the gasoline, but they're going to have to charge more to sell it because they have a restricted supply. Now, just a few weeks ago, a judge in San Diego, a federal judge, dismissed a class action lawsuit that accused the major oil companies of colluding to keep the fuel costs artificially high. This was a U.S. district judge by the name of Jinsuk Ota. And apparently uh, this was a class action lawsuit brought by uh, several uh, members of the public and their activist groups against... uh, But lawyers representing the owners of a North County San Diego gas station uh, apparently made the arguments that the judge uh, accepted and he dismissed the suit. You know, they've created a very complex set of regulations for uh, gasoline, oil drilling in the country and in the state. I heard a back and forth today about uh, why why gas prices are so high here in in America, not just in California. And the Biden administration was saying, hey, look, we gave out 9,000 permits for drilling uh, in the last year. So they have plenty of places where they can drill. And the oil company rep said, yeah, but they also passed a 125 regulations on getting that oil out of the ground. 125 new regulations. So it doesn't do any good to have a permit if it's impossible or not co- or, or too expensive to actually get the oil out and refine it and distribute it. And so that's the trick. You end up with a talking point saying 9,000 permits. But what they don't mention is you have a permit that you can't do anything with practically. Right. 
because of too many rules and, and, and too many too many costly rules. And this is the game that Newsom plays too. Boy, to prove their point, they tried to convince the judge that this was a real conspiracy, claiming, for instance, the oil company signed exchange agreements that allow them to move gas back and forth in ways that keep prices higher. But the oil company said, no, that's because if refineries were down for maintenance or otherwise out of service, we wanted to have the flexibility between the companies to move gas around to reach the demand. It was like they, yeah. they were fishing well, here. Sure, they're like defense attorneys. This is, this is like, uh, you know, OJ's defense team. You just make stuff up. Here, here's, another, here's another big one that is not addressed. We have no pipeline to run from, let's say, the Gulf of Mexico to California because various governments won't allow the pipeline to be built. So we can't ship the oil or the gasoline directly to California. Right. It often has to go on, on ships, which are more expensive. And then those ships, I believe have to be entirely made up of, uh, constructed in America. Like you can't use foreign ships to carry the oil. It's some law left over from the 1800s. There's a lot of these obscure uh, situations that get very little publicity. And even if you explained it publicly, nobody would care. Nobody would be interested or they wouldn't understand it. All right, we got more coming up. John and Ken, KFI AM640, live everywhere. It's the iHeartRadio app. All right, coming up after 4 o'clock, our guest will be an attorney by the name of Michael Peacock. There's a news conference today. He's representing a woman by the name of Janine Paredes. It was her husband, Sergeant Michael Paredes, who was murdered. This is the El Monte police sergeant who was killed in that ambush months ago. We covered this story. And, of course, the person that did this, was a parolee. This happened at a motel on June 14th. This man had prior convictions, including vehicle theft, resisting arrest, burglary. This, by the way, was the guy that there were reports about domestic violence problems, which could have resulted in him being sent back to prison, but uh, nobody really followed up on it. Uh, not, not strongly enough to get this guy off the streets. Uh, it says here that his probation officer did file for a revocation as probation because Flores allegedly assaulted his girlfriend a week Prior, yet he was not taken into custody. It's a $25 million claim against Los Angeles County DA George Gascon. We'll talk to Michael Peacock after the news coming up at now, 4 o'clock. This is, this is a lawsuit personally against Gascon. That's it the is. way I read this. Meh. We'll find out. You're going to end up paying. Well, that's what I'm, <laughs> what's, I'm wondering here because I, mean, I don't know. The, the, the headline, this is the Channel 4 story I'm looking at is they file a $25 million claim against George Gascon. Right, but because his actions are taken as the Los Angeles County DA, I don't know how indemnity plays into this. Oh, we'll, we'll ask the attorney. Yeah, we'll find out, yes. Okay. I think he I, should be personally liable. He should uh, have, it would be great if we he, bankrupted him and then he had yeah, to quit. Yes, he should, should be uh, liquidated. Sell his beautiful Long Beach estate. Did you know that's where he lives, apparently? Does he have Long a beautiful Beach. Long Beach estate? Uh, he's in a nice neighborhood of Long Beach, really? from what I understand, he's lived from off, several uh, listeners. He's lived off public money for many it's decades. It's near the water that he lives. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Wow, that must be nice. It's nice to have, huh? Other people are are dead because of him, but he's got a nice place to go home to. 
Well, Deborah Mark, it's time once again for the dead chicken report. No, I, I don't want to hear anything about dead chicken. Oh, we have a lot yeah, of- and Nebraska is going to have to execute 1.8 million chickens. That's a lot of chickens. You- Why? 1.8 million? Yeah, oh bird flu was found on a farm. Apparently, the outbreak has already prompted the slaughter of more than 50 million chickens nationwide. How do they do that? The Nebraska Department of Agriculture said that the state's 13th case of bird flu was found on an egg-laying farm in uh, northeast Nebraska. This is about 120 miles north of Omaha. Omaha is one of John's favorite places. Wait, they're killing the herd to save it? Yes and no. I mean, mean, you got 13 dead chickens and you have to kill a million eight? Because they're concerned that it'll spread to even more farms. Uh, Apparently, often... The bird flu is spread by birds that fly around. It's not the chickens, but they they drop their poop or whatever else uh, in the area of these farms. And then these chickens pick it up and whoop, it just moves to the flock like How do you kill a million eight? Like what method do they use? Well, aren't you curious? Yeah, I I am, but I don't think I want to hear the answer. Well, last time we talked about this, they deprived them of oxygen or something. Yes, exactly. They would put them all in a room and just suck out all the air or something like that. Remember, John? Oh, my God. Which is so cruel. It's over quickly. Um, Nebraska is second only to Iowa, which has killed 15 and a half million birds. 15 and a half million? Same thing? Same outbreak? Yeah, this bird, this bird flu was a pretty big one this year. That's why you've, you've seen poultry prices going up. Turkey and chickens cost more this year. It seems like an overreaction to me. And they said that it usually happens during the summer. It died off, but somehow it it was a resurgence in September of more bird flu cases. Seems like if you're killing millions of chickens, yeah, there'd be a chicken shortage. Yep. Wild birds can often carry the disease without showing symptoms. Does this sound familiar? The virus spreads through droppings or the nasal discharge of an infected bird. That can contaminate dust and soil. So the chickens go around, they're pecking at the dust and soil. They pick up the droppings from this wild bird that flew by, and there you go. Uh, you should never eat droppings. Well, they're, they're, I mean, they the peck at the got, soil. They're looking the, for worms and stuff or whatever they fig- eat. The chickens have to figure that out. It's part of Darwinism. Don't eat, seen a chicken other, brain? Don't eat other birds, birds' poop. It's My unhealthy. dog eats other animals' poop. Yeah, mine does too. Yeah, it's just... And, and he eats his own. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm There's sure... There's probably it, some nutrients in there. He's a recycling machine. <laughs> All right. When we come back, we'll find out. Is this going to put George Gascon on the line as a personal defendant? It's the widow of an El Monte police sergeant who was killed in that ambush last June, who has filed a $25 million claim against George Gascon. Johnny Ken KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And Deborah Mark live in the 24-hour KFI newsroom. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.